You enjoying that rock garden? Is it making you feel serene? Not in the least. I can't imagine that it would. Well, it's it's like a little environment that you have control over. Is this cocaine? You mean yayo? <laughs> Does it look like it? At the very least, it could be. I don't know. I've never seen actual cocaine. Well, you know that it's more white and powdery and less gritty and sandy. This looks like I imagine cocaine to be. Really? <laughs> you want cocaine? So, so, so when you go to the beach, you, you're like, it's hot cocaine. There's cocaine everywhere. How come it's so expensive? How come these guys it's make everywhere. so much money? I'm getting cold. <laughs> I love that ringtone. Hello. Hey, what's up? About the podcast. Mm-hmm. Just said it. It's good. Futile podcast tonight. We've got Ian and Zach, and we're going to talk about from 1999, David Fincher film Fight Club, Brad Pitt and uh, Edward Norton, based on the Chuck Palunic. Palunic. What is it? You always Polinic. get it. Palunic, uh novel. Yeah, this was a this was a big deal when this came out. I remember the ads for this, the trailer for this. It was kind of like to me, it was like in that same realm as the Matrix in terms of seeing a trailer for it and being like, this looks like a different kind of movie than anything I've seen before. So that made me excited. It also wasn't a big deal because it didn't make its money back and it costs a lot to make. Fight Club? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I don't... I mean, in the long run, do you think that the cult following The cult following has definitely made its money back. Yeah. But in the long run, it didn't... That that wasn't important to Fincher's career at all. Whether or not it made money is irrelevant because it gave him a career. It gave him a career beyond what he had at that point. It, uh, it, it uh, increased his brand name and gave him that cult status that meant that there was going to be a sub-group of people that followed him throughout his career. You basically. don't think, like, Seven really did that? I think this this was the crowning achievement in his career. Okay. Right? Like, it, 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 it exemplifies him to this point. Okay. I mean, even, even if he does go on to win Oscars doing something, you know, you think magnificent, this, was... this, this is the film that will define him. Fight Club? Yes. Really? Yeah, I think so. Huh. Either that or Panic Room. <laughs> well, Panic Room was just not that great. He calls that his Michael Bay movie, even though it's like so much smaller scale than a Michael Bay movie. Well, but it's like him doing his Fincher thing too, without with it was complete it, complete self. I think like, he felt like it was a Hitchcock film. Yeah. Is what he felt like. He felt like it was a Hitchcock film, which it really isn't. But I, it's decent. I, I don't have any problem with it. It's not bad, but it's, it's better it's than no Fight Club. It's me, better you know? than Phone Booth. <laughs> that the one with Colin Farrell yeah, by uh, Schumacher. With Schumacher with Kiefer. Yeah, no, um, Fight Club came out in, I want to say, September, late September or early October of 99, and uh, like I was telling you earlier, it's pretty much the reason that I had friends in college, because I had just started, you know, dorm life, uh, what was the name of that spinoff Cosby show? Oh, different, Di- different World? Different World. It was a different world for me. Were you Dwayne Wayne? I, I so wished I was, but no, I was not, in fact, Dwayne He was Wayne. probably a lot cooler than you. He, uh, definitely. You had round glasses, though, right? Somewhat, yes. Yeah. Um, but I had my little cadre of nerd friends that I had started to make, you know, having only known them for two or three weeks at this point. 
and I was like, yeah, this movie looks good. I think I definitely want to want to go see it and, and everything. I was like, okay, yeah, well, yeah, we should all go see it. Like we were all kind of vaguely <laughs> excited on our own sense about it. And then after we'd seen it, it was like so much more than I think we'd even sort of expected it to be. And it was just the right timing for it and everything else. Like in all of our lives and and all of that, I think that's a very important mm-hmm. component to it. That um, yeah, we all kind of got along. It was like it was like a philosophical touchstone for our generation or something really really stupid like that right. that we we can look at now ten eleven years later and, and feel maybe a little embarrassed about. But I think in this review, I'm gonna I, I point out a lot of things. That I, I, I don't think, think there's anything embarrassing about that. I think yeah. that's 100 percent true for for any male who saw it. I, I think it's completely. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's really ridiculous. Like, the film itself and the book that it's based on are utterly ridiculous. And I read the the, book, too. And the ideas behind them are... I don't know. We'll talk about that later. Okay. But, yeah, so, so, I mean... uh, So, it was just, like, that's sort of the big, I guess, caveat or whatever you you would about this movie. I had seen Seven, and I had seen The Game, and I definitely was... Really, at Alien Three, and I was definitely. What was your first impression of Alien Three? Because Alien Three came out, yeah, and it was his first film, and well, I was watching MTV back then, and okay. I was loving all, so all that people, good people, stuff. Yeah, so, so I had seen, so I had seen the Fincher videos. Okay. I didn't know, I did not, I, okay. I didn't have a, a a name to a thing when I saw Alien Three, and even really when I saw. Seven. It was like you're starting to sort of put the pieces together. Like, oh, the guy that's, whose name is on this. That's when I first started paying attention right. to style and like really getting involved. Was it with the MTV Spike Jones, David Fincher? Now, I, I knew who he was because uh, uh, because of Luke, and I yeah. I had, uh, that's definitely a good reason to know. Well, my my uh, friendship with Luke basically just kind of uh, gave me the idea of who I didn't care about directors when I was younger, and then probably when I was about thirteen or fourteen. I started noticing I, I would watch movies based on who the director was. And I knew who Fincher was um, before Alien 3 came out because I'd seen some video. I, I was actually paying attention to who directed videos, and I had heard about him, and I had read about him, and I knew that he was big up-and-coming thing in the world of music videos, and he was directing the most powerful music videos. I mean, same thing with Michael Bay. I, I knew yeah. who Michael Bay was before Michael Bay films came out. And... Uh, when Alien Three came out, I was I was excited for it because I had seen the first Alien pretty young age. It was one of the, it's, it's one of my top five favorite movies of all time. Nice. Um, I I will forever love Ridley Scott despite the the uh, utter garbage he mostly makes in his spare time. I believe. more mediocrity I'd say because it's still garbage. competent Let's looking and pretty good. Let's call it garbage. Okay. Um, the 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 look I think has a lot less to do with the director. Than most people think in most cases. Yeah, I think you're, Ridley that's Scott true. I think Ridley Scott so and Fincher are two that matter. I think Ridley Scott doesn't care as much about the look. I think he he picks a guy who well, he's just consistent. Then he's getting the same. I, I think DP. He, he picks DPZ likes. Yeah. And I, I think Fincher knows exactly what he wants something to look like because everything looks the same in Fincher's world. <laughs> uh, Scott's stuff has has varied wild, widely. He's 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 gone through different color palettes uh, through his whole whole career. Um, he had you know. Seems like he's always had blue as a big one. Even when, he, now. when he did White Squall and fourteen ninety two, yeah, but that, those are more like, outside. Those, it, it does. It doesn't matter. I, I think. I think he picks. He picks films um, in swath, swaths of time that he knows will look alike. Like he he makes them look alike, and when he makes let's say 
three films look like and goes on to something to like hmm. a new look. So I, I think he doesn't. I think he's picking cinematographers more than he's picking any cinematographers with with big ideas for visuals. Okay. Fincher looks like Fincher. You can tell Fincher when you see it. Um, the color palette for Alien Three is much different than other I'm, not, I'm not necessarily works. talking about colors. Okay, scenes outside the bar and Fight Club look like Alien Three. When they walk outside the bar and the door is kind of leathery and gnarled and has designs in it, it looks like an alien. Like parts of that film look like Alien Three to me. Like okay. he, he, he definitely picks you know things that look a certain way. Uh, he, I think I think he pushed the aesthetic of the alien thing far beyond what it had been because in uh, the the Ridley Scott Alien, it was you know the ship looked a certain way and was very. You know, there there was similarities to uh, 2001 stuff in the actual ship itself, which was a lot of styrofoam-looking white stuff with, like, curvature to it. And there was the Geiger stuff thrown in, yeah. you know. And there wasn't that much of the Geiger stuff, though. You know, there was there was the scene on the uh, the planet, and then there was the stuff at the end of the film where all the smoke and the water is coming through, and yeah. the alarms are going off, and the aliens coming through that. And he looks very, it looks very similar to the, uh, the, the landscape around it or whatever. And then in Aliens... I think Cameron Cameron didn't really care so much about like you know the the overlying theme of his look as much as like the action that was happening within it, um, but but I think that also advanced. I mean that film looked more like the Alien franchise we know of now. Now everything is like you know the Jean Pierre Genet film was was uh, just full of gnarled curves and, and yeah. the color of aliens. Like every each each one has like kind of gotten bigger. But I think the biggest change was from Aliens to Alien Three. I think the biggest change in the look because it went from Something that was like, you know, the look of the alien became unified and and, and pervasive, but uh, but the actual, uh, you know, color scheme and cinematography and everything was was so unified in Alien Three that it was something that was it was just it, it became more about like I think the style became more about the alien than it had been in the past. Anyway, that aside, I think that he's one of the he's one of the few directors who you could recognize you can attribute style to a little more readily to the yeah, actual director yeah. i mean i think there's him there's the coen brothers um there's a few more that uh and the coen brothers have have switched cinematographers off and on but it always looks like them it always looks like them they they you know which has a lot to do with their and they edit as well you know so it has a lot to do with you know you can tell by their beats and everything like that well, and the choice of, yeah. of shots that they like to go to more often than not and like you said the way they choose to rhythmically lay out the mm-hmm. close-up I saw I saw that trailer for uh, true grit I haven't seen you know it yet. Uh, I was like a it started coming out like a month ago and and uh, when I first saw it I was like somehow they made it look like a Cohen thing like you, you don't imagine that, that making a that. John Wayne Western yeah. I know yeah it's amazing but like yeah their shots just looked like a Cohen film it was pretty amazing so yeah I haven't seen any of the alien films in a while I could I could actually do sitting down and watching the first three because I actually enjoy legitimately enjoy all of all three of the first three I could not I can't stand the fourth one I mean if it's on TV I might watch parts at the beginning but that ending is just so out there and ridiculous trying to bite off some whole concept about like the twisted psyche and interwoven component of Ripley and the alien with the, the clones and the it's, it's all super far in the future it's like you you it stopped being grounded in anything that seemed to matter anymore well, not that it's, necessarily it's pretty out there I, I don't dislike it as much as most people do Visually, interestingly like interestingly a few times during watching Fight Club tonight 
I thought his visual, Fincher's visual sensibilities look a lot like Jean-Pierre Jeunet's. Oh, yeah. They're, they really do. I think... In this film alone... You know, Jeunet, I think Jeunet predates him, but I don't know if you could say... He did City of Lost him. Children and... He uh, did Delicatessen first, which I believe was yeah. in the mid-90s, 95, something like okay. that. I could be wrong on the date, but it was somewhere around there. And uh, I remember coming to the minor when I was like 15, and it was like a new film, you know, and... Um, in a foreign film but no watch certain shots I was like you know this this looks like you know not necessarily like I mean he wouldn't do like Dutch angles but a lot of things that were like lower set angles looking up at, at things people walking into rooms and stuff like that and an interesting use of sort of a wide angle lens yeah absolutely but then, then also sort of juxtaposing that with use of uh, lenses with very shallow depth of field right and, right 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 yeah and, no. I mean, st- st- and, and a certain kind of close up he uses a lot in yeah. Fight Club which I don't think he used very much of in like uh, Social Network I think his I think his camera work was less spectacular than that, and that's probably because it didn't warrant it. You know, it, it, just, it didn't warrant it. It, it didn't. just wasn't but, you know, there. I I, uh, I mean, his mark is all over it. I I was still struck by the the singularity of of uh, the way Social Network looked. Like I mean, it's unmistakably a Fincher film by by its look. It really is. I mean, no, no, it's he, got that solid. I mean, there's there's style. that's why I think uh, something about him making a film about like an Ivy League school really worked because he's there's always this like mahogany richness to the color of everything. Like any room people are sitting in looks like some sort of like smoking jacket only room where where <laughs> yeah. exclusive club members are supposed to be and that's Harvard and that's that's yeah. Fincher. Like that's how no, no, it, it, it made now. sense. It was like he was the perfect guy to do that really? idea yeah. of that thing. <laughs> Um, I think it's just like let's move on and do something more interesting now, please. That's my take on that whole thing. But now, which Fight Club definitely definitely is, and like you say, it might go down to being one of his I, I, his like I said, not not necessarily. I mean, definitely not the best film he's made. I really do think Zodiac. You still have not watched Zodiac. Yeah, it's Zodiac, so long. It's Zodiac so long. I'm gonna have is, to just watch it on my own. Zodiac sometime. is brilliant. It yeah. really is because it doesn't it doesn't require. I mean, like we've we've talked about in the past. He might have a weakness with character. He might have... I mean, this film is about... Fight Club's about, you know, ideas. And Social Network is about, you know... Uh, it's, about a, it's about the social network of humanity. Well, they're like, both, a, they're both about things. certain kinds of sociopaths, basically. Absolutely. And absolutely. So, so you're but, right. But There's no about, warmth, like you said. But, that's but always the thing. And yeah. Zodiac doesn't require that. All it, all it needs is for you to... Investigation. To, well, it needs for you to, to apply the obsession. idea that, you know... First of all, it gives the idea that there are good people... And then it gives the idea that they're being killed, and then after that, it gives you, you know, it it just it just paints this perfect picture of this sense in this area of America that is suddenly uh, held hostage by fear, you know, for for what reason? And it goes, I mean, it's very, uh, it, it paints a good picture. It's a portrait of, of that time and everything like that, and it's it's just it's brilliant in terms of that sort of thing. I think it, it so far he has been very good. I think the, really the biggest misstep was, I mean, I always I always kind of forget about. Panic Room, my own Panic Room for some reason. But <laughs> Austin? Is it an Austin-based reason? No, I think maybe. No, I think or it was like two dollars at Walmart. I, I had or a something. gift certificate to Blockbuster for some reason. And you I never went used copy. And I went in there bucks. and I bought that and Spaceballs. I think. Nice. Well, you have Spaceballs on DVD. Yeah. Oh, we got to do that sometime at your house. Hang out sometime. Sure. Yeah. I'll get Spaceballs. Um, Look out. Okay, so let's say Panic Room aside. The biggest misstep in his career has been the Benjamin Button film, because it was really trying to be about you know some some great human character, but it completely misses a the mark there because it's not about a human character; it's about something unrealistic and it's another idea. It's another it's another idea sort of, thing, sort of outlier. But he tries to make it something very relatable, and 
because of his because of his cold look, it, it's uh, things aren't relatable. But but I mean, it works so well with the game, and it works so well with Seven, and it's it's it works well with everything but Benjamin Button, I think. Um, which is I why think it worked well with Benjamin Button, but not if you're trying to find that like oh Fincher in your career. You're trying to tell a warm story about a kick. I, right. I didn't get well, that it, from it. Just, it. I got it. that there was something creepy and kind there of was. gothic about there's, it, and it worked yes. for well, his style, I, I thought. I, I think there's some miscalculations in it. One of them begins with Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt uh, you know, works well in Fight Club because he's playing the character he's playing, which is... He plays a vaguely sociopath he asshole. Is. He and, works. And the only things he ever says are are uh, cliches and and uh, quotes and sound bites. That's yeah. all he ever says. And they're things about society and how it needs to tumble and these are the reasons why. And I, I really have yet to see him play some great human character. I mean, like, the first time I saw him in a serious film was, like, seven years in Tibet, and it just bored the hell out of me. He's not interesting. Brad Pitt is not interesting. Edward Norton is a phenomenal actor, and he... Uh, he just completely espouses, you know, a, a, a totally human. I mean, he's he's very relatable just by his look, his look and his expression. Like he's a great actor. He yeah. really is. And Brad Pitt is uh, is uh, a chiseled Greek god who throws his hands around certain mannerisms when he talks and juts his chin out. And I don't know, I don't know that he can really. Yeah, you can be on for two never, hours in a movie, but that's not a real person. So he's never. He will never. Win, uh, he will never win an acting award. Mark your words here. I said it first yes, on the Futile Podcast. He will never win an acting award. And if he does, it's because it's one of those I feel sorry for you when you're 70 Sean Connery things. Or some kind of a combo gimmick, you know, if he plays the right. Maybe he plays like a. Like a. Like a. Maybe they do a spin on the Holocaust movies and he plays like a soldier at like an internment camp. Like give yeah. somebody like a candy bar and, and the suffering. He Tom goes Cruise through. will not win an Oscar. Was Tom Cruise nom- nominated, he was nominated for Colored, Man. Colored Money? No. Was he? I don't know. No, that was, the was, one, that was the one that uh, Newman won for. He was nominated for Rain Man with, with Hoffman. Hoffman won. Yeah. Hoffman probably should have won. I don't know. I don't know what else was nominated at that time. Hoffman yeah. was very good. Anyway, so yeah, back to Fincher, I guess. This this is sort of like the perfect kind of material for him. This and Seven. I think Fincher like maybe should just stop with this. I mean, you, you seem to maybe you know more about it than I do. I mean, obviously he probably does want to be a sort of critical accolades and all that. At other this stuff. point, he does. But but there's something to be said for certain directors that trade well in certain themes and styles to just keep exploring those if they've got material there. I mean, Seven has got that, and The Game has got that, and Fight Club has got that. And Zodiac, I mean, like, based on your description of it and based on just what I, well, I can tell, has got that. And those are all, like, it's like he should just they, sort of trade in that. They've you know all got mean? similar themes, which is that it, that it takes something, it takes something uh, earth-shattering, I mean, life-altering, to make people realize uh, what kind of rut they're in and, like, change their, you know, it, I mean, it... It, it's not as trite as I'm making it sound, but, no, that, no, but, that, yeah. but that really is like what—that's yeah. what the game's about. That's what Fight Club's about. That's what Zodiac is about. I mean, yeah. that's the type of thing that makes people start valuing. I mean, you know, it happens through fear or whatever. But I mean, it's like—it's like with Nolan. Like Christopher Nolan's films all are kind of trading similar themes, you know, and and they're all really well done. And maybe he'll never get an Oscar, but I think that's Nolan, a solid Nolan director could easily get. A, get an Oscar. I think Fincher could get an Oscar. I yeah, think he, it's, I think it's all he, about the wins. Like, I, it's all I, about the way, the attitude of the Academy on that given year and and, and, and what. I mean, like... What, I mean, whether or not... I mean, Scorsese has been given a gift Oscar at this point. No one no one was able to deny that he was the great American director. And he though, traded for, in themes. He did, but he, but he just... 
I think he was uh, he was one of those style guys who made some really good stylistic stuff. I yeah, mean. yeah. No, but but, th- but at the same time, you know what I mean? It was like it was like the mafia, in New York, certain approaches and certain styles and certain themes, and that was mostly what Scorsese dealt with. And so, event- and, but, and it didn't get him any Oscars for for a while, and then eventually it was just kind of like, you know what? We have to just admit this guy's good. Let's just give yeah. him one. And that's probably what will happen with Fincher or something. At some I, some, I, I, some weak year, he'll get a win on something that. Even he would probably admit is not the greatest, or maybe it will be really good. Maybe he'll do something epic that's really that's worthy of that just sweeps the Oscars. I don't know. I mean, it's 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 hard to it's hard to say with directors because they, uh, you know, a best picture in most cases is a best director. You can say, no, not necessarily a best picture. I think in most cases you can say you could say well that. Them, you could really probably consider that, except for like Crash. Let's say you know, <laughs> you could say, well, that probably was the best film out of those that they said. You you can you can reason that, even though even if you don't personally agree with it. Um, in some cases, it's obvious that they're giving someone a cumulative award. You know, Peter Jackson wins uh, for, for Return of the King, right? Yeah. And Return of the King wins best, wins best picture. I recently watched those. That's not the best. No, absolutely films. not. The, the first and the second are better than that. Oh yeah. Uh, the second one is kind of meandering and really heavy-handed in parts. Really, 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 really heavy-handed in parts. And uh, the, the the second has this economy where it's like just just this uh, crushing, uh, soul-rending idea of like. I mean, this it's what it's what people in in uh, the, the the path of the Nazis must have felt like in World War Two type thing. Like that's you know. We have to band together. We are facing <laughs> the dark you know, times. And, and the first one paints such a great picture of, of place and setting. Like the, oh, yeah. The, the opening part in the Shire and all the stuff in Rivendell and everything like that. It like, gives you the idea of this well-populated world. An like, actual world. It's, yeah, and it's, it's shot it's just great with like that. Like you know, real places. Yeah, and, and he stuff. is very good. And, and he deserved everything he got. I just don't know if we should have had for that film. Yeah. Um, the, uh, same thing with the Scorsese thing. I mean, this guy's directed some of the greatest American films of all time back in the, like the eighties and seventies, you know, he made taxi driver, he made raging bull. He made uh, a variety of things that I don't necessarily think his crime stuff is the greatest. It's probably some of the greatest crime films. I don't necessarily think those are like amazing American movies. You know, the well, God- Goodfellas is really good. It, it's very good, but it's, but you know, people like to say the Goodfellas is the greatest crime, whatever. I mean, the Godfather movies. Oh no, the Godfather are, is like a whole, like another level. It's above. a whole yeah. other level. And that's the only thing I could, I would argue that you really could give like a best picture type film to is something that's really that so incredibly rich in depth of like, but I mean, at the same time, it's years, man. You have a weak year in Babel. No, I, I understand. You know, it's just like you got to give it every year, and it's not. It, I, I would think that if you look at a decade, yeah, you're probably going to find maybe three to four that are that level of best picture, and the rest are just going to be like, well, that's just what they gave it to that year. You know, it worked. Whatever. It was. Yeah. It was that epic movie that came out that you know, like Braveheart to me is kind of. Like, I didn't I just, think Braveheart was that great. I know that like that was the thing. In, in retrospect, I don't think it is either. At, at that time, it was very moving. Exactly. Just, at the time, it, it hit at the right time. And, yeah. and I don't know what it really was up against. I, I mean, fucking did. Titanic for crying out loud! It's like at the time. You know, at the time, I didn't think it was that good. I didn't think it was that great either. But it was like at the time, there wasn't a lot. To what, it. what the hell did it win against? Coneheads. No, I don't know. Against? I mean, that's just the thing. There was nothing it, going it, on back then. No, it didn't be Saving Private Ryan. That was Shakespeare in Love. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, something like that will happen. Shakespeare in Love will win against Saving Private Ryan, you know? And so here we are talking about the sort of vanity of, of cinema. This is a good segue back into Fight Club. Good. About, about uh, demographics and. One thing that's interesting to me about Fight Club, and, and it becomes more apparent every time I watch it, <clears throat> is that it's 
an extremely misogynistic film, first of all. Oh, yeah. And that's no one's ever denied that. But it's a misogynistic film based on a misogynistic book by a gay guy. Mm-hmm. So you can understand where he says women have no place in this world, which the Brad, Brad Pitt character questions at one point. I'm mm-hmm. wondering if we need another you know, woman in, our, in this world. And then they immediately cut to like him like propping up his like tie and right. like, Ozzy and Harriet, all right, this commentary right, right, on this right. interaction, this so, movie. So there there is this this homoerotic undertone to it, but it but but it's not necessary to it. I don't think it's necessarily erotic either. I think it's like it's like a, I think it is. I think this whole film is is uh, the whole film and, and I really think that's what really does come out of the book, is about uh, Oiled up tight male bodies uh, <laughs> doing what oiled up tight males do. Self improvement is masturbation. Exactly. I mean like this. I mean, it's people who don't have any sort of like you know outlet. Well, not just that, but they they don't have a uh, they don't have hangups about sexuality, so it's not an issue with the characters. But I mean, it comes through everything, uh, and and I think that the, the the film is what I was saying about it uh, when we first started about it, kind of being laughable, is that it's all cliche. Everything anyone says in the film is cliche. Every single every single uh, narration note is some sort of like punchline one-liner it's, it's like very it's not self-righteous but it's self-aware yes and uh condescending everything brad pitt says is self-aware and condescending and of course there's there they towards being the towards same the thing. other character and it makes sense i mean it fits right but, and, then, and then he lives and then he lives you know what he's saying he's walking walking talking to talk but it's this such aggro male uh you know primal thing that it's like, how, how much of this did Paul and Nick mean to be taken seriously? He might not have been, meant any of it to be taken seriously. This could, I mean, if you've read the rest of the, any of his other stuff, you you soon come to realize that he doesn't know how to do anything serious. It's all like it all it all unravels all so, into goofiness. It's all I've read so, Choke. That's the yeah, only other book I've insane. read. Like Choke is pretty is pretty tame compared yeah. to the rest of his stuff. It gets so out there. It's so it gets so crazy in, in most in most cases that it's like, I kind of think. He either doesn't know what he's doing, and so he just does some outlandish stuff to try to get people upset, um, or it's all satirical. So one way or another. Oh, the Fight Club is a, is a very satirical book because the ending is different oh, for than sure. the movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it played it played it re makes it makes the story completely different. I mean, the ending of the book. It's kind of like you know he's still half crazy, and he's like you know in the in the rubber you know rubber room with with straight jacket on right. and Marla still comes and visits me sometimes and he never really did build the bombs or any of that right. stuff. He just kind of one day walked to the police station and confessed everything and you know they they put him in they put him in one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Right. And so yeah, it's a complete satire because all that material up till then just leads to a sort of conclusion of okay, so you're batshit what are you going to do? You're going to lock yourself in a room? It's the same with a lot of these philosophers, you know, Nietzsche and a lot of these guys. You know, what are you going to do? Hide in an oven your whole life when you finally get to the end? Mm-hmm. You got to get up. You got to pay your taxes. You got to, you know, go to work. You got to, you know, get married, have a kid. I don't know. Go to school. Learn right. something. Figure out your own life. And that was the sort of funny thing about the, that I think the Brad Pitt character missed when he was describing the, inter- the discussion with his father. And then the whole idea, the relation of that to like God, and you know maybe he doesn't like you, maybe my, maybe your dad doesn't care, mm-hmm. maybe your father doesn't like you, maybe God doesn't like you. They're just like you know I don't know. Go do this, go do that. Those things are so like generic, right? But completely open 
you know, mm-hmm. so you get married, I mean, I mean, but it's, you know, create a relationship, have, no, have, have I mean, a life. It's it's a way. I mean, it's a way to to, to make the care. I mean, the characters are. I don't think the characters are, are all that fake. I really think the uh, you know, if you think about them as one character, it's it's pretty interesting. You know, that Norton character was somebody who was put upon. He snapped. He had his he had his breakdown. He broke into two personalities. Whatever. Well, the, the but, lack but, of sleep. Right, but I mean, the <laughs> lack of sleep. Uh, I mean, they explain later like, that uh, he was doing things when he when he didn't know what was going on because of his lack of sleep. He was doing things with the other personality that he wasn't aware of. Like, yeah. you know, setting up his house to explode and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. but I mean. It gives an explanation for like you know uh, the, the the put upon resentment toward the father that wasn't there and all that stuff you know I mean, yeah. it's, I mean the franchising I, I yeah I don't mess and I don't necessarily think I think a lot of stuff's not right I mean it's 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 one of those films where after you see it the first time every single note is is so obvious that it's I mean like one of the first lines in the movie is like makes it sound like he's too you know if you list if you watch it right away I forget what he says but somewhere in the first like minute of the film he says something to to the effect of like you know it's enough to make somebody break into two personalities or something like that. I don't remember exactly what he says, but it was I was like, oh, there you go, like you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, there's there's, there's <laughs> and, and there's the film was just full of stuff. like There's that. some definite like moments of ah. Uh-huh. That, that said, you know, when I was uh, 18 watching the film, I was like, I, I didn't think about that at any time. And when it actually happened at the end, any time any film ends up with uh, a, a character, twist, not not a twist, but a character playing this, you know, being two people or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm always like, I always feel betrayed. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, I want there to is be that. different, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, and now it doesn't matter. I don't care at all. But, but yeah. Like, I don't know. Well, they did, and, and they did admit that there's that cheat. The creators of the movie did admit the the, the car cheat is, 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 I mean, you can justify it, you can rationalize it, but the whole, when he, when Brett, when, uh, Edward Norton's character sees Brad Pitt hop into the, the sweet sports sports car and yeah. take off, and then the guys are, like, "Where's my car?" You know, like like that's the, that's the closest thing to a cheat in the in the movie right. to make you think that the, that has to be a different person because he just did something that then caused somebody else to react to him independently of the Norton character. Right. But I mean, it kind of plays as like a little like fantasy vision in the off into the distance, right. which is you know how you rationalize mm-hmm. that it's that they get away with doing it anyway. I mean, so I think we can agree that it's a it's a film jam packed with with those types of uh, flaws, and it's not flaws of execution. No, no, it's, no. The execution is execution superb. is superb. It's perfect all the way through. It's it's execution of it's 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 flaws of design. That said, it's I mean, it really is it really is a phenomenal movie that everyone should see. I think. I mean, it's 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 a benchmark of visual filmmaking. It's one of those instances you like to talk about where the the, the soundtrack in the film, I mean, the, or the score in the film, just yeah, Dustin Brothers knew it was perfect, perfect, perfect to go with it. Um, acting is perfect for every role. Uh, you know, it's it's the pinnacle of Fincher's vision. It's uh, it's it's just it's great filmmaking. It really is, and Absolutely. and uh, and uh, it it doesn't deserve cult status because it's so much better than a cult film. A cult film is like fatally flawed, but endearingly so. Mm-hmm. This is not fatally flawed. It's I mean, I mean, the, the the like the like I was saying, if, if the flaws are flaws of, of design, like you know, source material and uh, uh, trite truisms all the way through, and, and things like that. I mean, it's it's about extremists, and yeah. it goes to those extremes. It's funny. It's intense. It's there's 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 really no downfall to it. The only thing I consider a downfall to it, and like you say when you talk about you know the nature of the material and everything, is. 
is the ending. Mm-hmm. The actual, like, like, and by when I say the ending, I mean like literally like the last four minutes or, or less. I mean the but but it's striking. The, it, it is striking. It's striking. But it's but notable. It, but it's, it's and, memorable. And, and for its time, it was it was powerful and potent. But I mean, even at the time when I first saw it, and I was completely, you know, like it was hitting me as an eighteen-year-old male, blah blah blah. The the whole like cop out with the gun and cheek blowing. Yeah, that's kind of dumb. Like that is that just even at the moment I saw that I was like, that's really stupid. I mean, and that's and it's, ob- it's obvious. Well, that, that kind yeah, of like you're not going to convince your own psychological trauma, right? That you killed yourself when you like, in, in, like you yeah. stick it in your mouth. I mean, unless you can, you can. Maybe he should have said like, "Here's a bit exposition point." Like, I thought I killed myself. I guess I just. I don't think it's that. It's it's that he was willing to kill. That, yeah, I think no, the idea is yeah, he was yeah. willing to kill himself. That I thought about it a lot more this time watching it. As the question happening. I always have is this: so he kills this destructive personality, and then he still tells the team he'll meet with him downstairs, yeah. and he still sits there and watches it with her. So, what does that mean? Exactly. No, that's, mean it's that's, just, it just means it's just become, that personality's become part of him again? Like, it's still it, there? It has. It means that he's cut out the bad part, and he's toned, out, toned it down, right. I think. I think it means that he's ready to become a, a more real, full person, but the thing is, he still has to deal with what he's created. Yeah. And and that's sort of, that's what I mean by sort of the flaw in the movie. Well, I, I don't it, think it's it, necessarily it, a flaw, because because I think that Fincher It leaves kind of you expounds, with a huge, like, what next kind of sense. Fin, Fincher expands upon what Polinick wanted to do, because like you said, uh, the, the ending that Fincher did, though different, I it's believe... Much more, it's much more, maybe both nihilistic and I, or hopeful. I think it's superior, because... Uh, it it gives you the idea that um, maybe I mean maybe the satire in it is stronger because if you're going to take such radical things at such radical extremes, I mean the responsibility factor is huge. Like you yeah. can say all you want about, I mean he says a part about his uh, uh, where Brad Pitt uh, is in in the room where he's like half passed out in the bed and he's explaining to him the uh, the the new agrarian society. Oh yeah, the whole, the whole anarchist thing and all that. It's yeah. easy to say stuff like that. That that's not how that's not how anarchy works. How no. it works is that people band into savage tribes and kill each other. It's that's, like the road, <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, so so like maybe, maybe there is like a message about responsibility. Like, don't get crazy with your extremism. Yeah, you know? exactly. And then it, it totally bring it in. That's so. That's absolutely the as, point. As much as much as it condemns society, which is which is all it does all the way through. I think it's and saying, consumerism like, you know, yeah, and take capitalism. It easy. I think yeah. it's, it, it is trying to say at the end, take it a little easy. Except except for the fact that when they sort of sit there and watch the magnificent imagery of the buildings collapsing, which are inexplicably not like blowing out every single window, right. that, <laughs> and it does make it feel very cartoony and artificial. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole film is cartoony and artificial. I mean, it's, yeah, but it's but it's that particular scene is almost kind of is so heavy handed. I think to where, where every single uh, male. Male in any any business is so easily susceptible to join this yes, exactly, uh, society. Right? Like, but that was the commentary he was making. Is it, was, it, it was saying, and at the time, where's their wives? Where's their children? Nobody has children in the movie. You know, yeah. like, well, these are these are all the people that are like the losers that don't have children. That's supposed to be the point. Is that there is this whole Great Depression era of people that you know we, we pump your gas and we we, we, we guard your yeah, house the great depression is their lives yeah yeah, yeah no no but, and so that's where I it's mean get, getting getting to the next subject sort of of, of the of the of the movie which we unfortunately should have to talk about with the you know 800,000 pound gorilla here is this was made in 1999 and this was pre 911 Right. And that has a great deal of effect on the nature of the kind of material that it's ta- of what it's talking about and the kind of attitudes people had. 
So people were in their like sort of Great Depression, rah rah me, you know, there was no great war, there was no great enemy, there was no great sense of any of this. And then now when you watch it post 9-11, there's a different sort of odd reading to it, you know, like, like obviously these are terrorists doing th- doing terror right. but they're like domestic terrorists but, but they and also, they also uh, make a great point to, to or they make a great take great pains to point out that the only person who was killed was an incidental death of one person no 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 exactly you know, like but but, but true I'm, terrorism I'm not, is yeah exactly yeah. But, but at the same time it's this sort of sense that it's a bunch of bored people that don't have any real challenges or any real fears in their lives because that was kind of how the 90s were for a large point it was very for the most part, prosperous and peaceful. I mean, there was, you know, there was the recessions and there was, you know, people had their different little arguments. But if you really think about everything up till 9-11 in the 90s, you know, the Cold War was done, everything, you know, not that things were perfect, not that things were great, but things were kind of okay. Oh, and so it, ga- it gives everybody the, t- the chance to kind of be it's, bored it's and the, be depressed and be maudlin and have to fight each other. They're the yeah. fat years. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, you know, these guys are going to fight each other because they Life have no... Life is meaningless. Out, yeah, there's no, there's no great enemy. There's, there's no, no great enemy. There's, there's, no, no, there's no purpose. There's no, no purpose. meaning. I mean, and now... Not that, I'm saying, not that I'm saying that, that all that isn't sort of a, some component of jingoistic propaganda now in terms of like, look at the great menace of, of you know, fundamentalist terrorism and all these right. other things. But those things, that, but that event of 9-11 has kind of snapped people out of it. I mean, there was that whole ridiculous commentary about like, oh, it's the death of irony and blah, 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 when, you know, Fight Club started it. Not the death of irony, but just started that, like you said, that very heavy-handed, cliched, kind of like like condescending, like ironic, 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 ironic thing. And then it was kind of like that happened, you know, 9-11 happened, and everyone was like, well, okay, step it back, Notch. Let's reorganize our priorities here. Okay, yeah, people can still die. Major, terrible things can still happen, and maybe we shouldn't be so fucking, you know, sardonic about regular human life right. and maybe Starbucks isn't the, the great Satan you know what I mean yeah and, and now things are obviously with like the popularity of the Daily Show and Colbert Report and stuff it's things, getting, things it's getting back to it's that. getting back to that which is which is uh, I mean you know Stuart was crying like a week after 9-11 and yeah. so now it's kind of like you gotta kind of find a balance there right. buddy you know you know and so it's an interesting it's an interesting take for me now just to finish this up it says, about how, how, how the film read pre that and how it reads now where it's like I don't know if, if people like if kids that are 18 now who had the sort of 9-11 thing happen when they were younger would be as affected by it mm-hmm. because like we were affected by because we were 18 and we hadn't had that yet and we, so we were in that mode where you know, yeah, there's just, you know, nothing going on. It's just like we're at the end of the end of the line and, you know, who gives a shit about anything, whatever. We didn't have that kind of great extreme event type shit happen that says, oh, crap, maybe just, maybe a picnic and a yummy sandwich is, is, is okay, you know? <laughs> maybe Starbucks isn't the great Satan. It's just a fucking coffee franchise who cares it can't it doesn't have that much power over me and in the characters in fight club it did because there was no great enemy to it so they had to ascribe it to well, consumerism. I mean, you can easily say though that it was i mean you could just as well say instead of it being the idea of some sort of extremism that it's just somebody who uh, believes fully the uh, think globally act locally type thing you take away a global economy you take away a national economy and things have to start uh, affecting a local level if you look at it politically it's like it's a mismatch of styles because it's, it's, it's got this idea of, 
an, uh, so strong anti-consumerism as to be a very far left thing, but it really does until the very end or until the until the final third strongly smack of just libertarianism. Like you know, s- s- you know, keep everything out of your own life, deal with your own thing. But that turns into forcing forcing that lifestyle on everyone else. Yeah, it, turns well, into, it turns know, into a cult mentality. It, it does, and the cult mentality turns into like a fascist type thing. Oh, yeah? Like, you know, it turns into a fascist. You thing. do not into, talk about this. It turns into we an do army. Say that, it turns yes. into an army of people that are going to force that lifestyle on everyone yep. to make to make it conform to what they It believe. becomes fascism so it, very quickly. It's, it's like a, a snake eating its own tail type mm-hmm. thing. I mean, which which all those things... Uh, which is one thing that really, I mean, despite all, like I said, the, the post-9-11 reading on it, and the sort of like being, the, you know, the post-adolescent reading on it, and everything else it still is I mean that just that alone that 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 sort of political spectrum that it kind of runs within yeah. the characters and that ability to sort of stylistically rein that in and be consistent about that and it's not really political I mean it's, it's social no no but like but, you, but it fits, like fits you said that. It, fits it, it, it has that sort of like well you have the guy that's just the regular hum, humdrum right. middle of the road centrist whatever and then he meets this kind of out there do your own thing what is he? Is he sort of a Randian, or is he mm-hmm. sort of a like you say a libertarian, or then maybe he's more of an anarchistish, and then he's kind of oh he's got some power now, so now he's kind of more of a fascist, and, and just I mean that, that that I remember on the first watching of the film because you don't know the whole anarchist. It's an anarchy, but it's an anarchy where the guys who are involved in it. Uh, bring bags of grocery store brought beer up to watch yeah, I know, the thing happen. Yeah, I know. Like, I know. That's, that always struck no, me as no funny. No foresight there. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. not going to last, buddy. If you blow everything up, you're not going to have Bush Light to buy. No, you're not. That sucks. But um, just to kind of wrap it up, I mean, that was one of the things when I, uh, when I was watching it for the first time, having without the twist of the, the two characters being the same person and all that, it's, it was just like at a certain point, like you said, that third act. I think the structuring of the film, it, the first act is very pretty quick, and then that second act, it really kind of plays around mm-hmm. a lot, and that's what makes it seem longer than it is, I think. And then once it starts getting into the fascist <coughs> cult stuff, and, and you stop kind of finding the Brad Pitt character to be kind of funny or kind of harm, harmless dangerous. and he becomes dangerous and he becomes an <laughs> asshole and, and kind of a bully and a prick then it's kind of like I sort of stop, start liking the movie less and start being like well how's this going to resolve how's this going to work how's, how's the nerdy like guy I'm supposed to be relating to because he's the main character going to overcome this guy and then the nature of the way that they accomplish that through that ending is I mean it, it, it is, works. It works, but it, it's sort of a yeah. It is, and so that's why to me it's not like you know spectacular, spectacular. I think that if they had pulled that off, I mean, it just it just opens up those ideas to further exploration in other films because it's like you know they try. I mean, it's it's like something with AI, like AI, where those ideas there are played through, and then they get to this ending that's kind of flawed and weird, and they don't know what to do. And so it's like, until someone knows what to do, and has a solid ending to certain stories that deal with these ideas, then that's fine. You keep making new stories. But those have different problems. I mean, AI AI is is brought down by sentimentalism, and there's nothing like that in Fight Club. No, 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 no. I'm not saying it's the same... Absolutely, absolutely the same kind, but it's the, it's the whole problem. Sure. It's like an SNL sketch. It's like, how do you end this? Right. I mean, they don't know how to end them half the time, and so they just you know go to absurdity. I mean, some or, some of the greatest things end on really open notes. And it's not about open notes, though. It's just about but, like. But it's like yeah. it would be an open note if you didn't. Yeah. If you didn't make that ending, I <laughs> That's mean, they true. Could, they could have done that with Clockwork Orange, and instead, it's like an open ending type thing where you yeah. know, 
he's probably going to go back to what he was doing or whatever, you know? Well, the book the book was more controversial. I like yeah, right, that. Right, yeah. I like that about the book. It was like, no, he's going to grow up and then become a regular person. That's just what happens, you know? Yeah. <laughs> boys will be boys. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so I, I think I'd have to give... I don't know, I'd be teetering between a four and a half and a four on Fight Club. That's about, about right. Um, so I'd, I, I think I'd go four, I'll go four and a half because... <laughs> Because I, I would be better able to defend this movie against some kind of like serious hater on it than just sort of defend it in my own. I mean, you know me, I'm very contrarian, so it's tough for me to... You should have waited until I gave it a score before you said anything. Yeah, I should have. Everyone I know is contrarians, man. You. Those are your friends, man. But that's dumb. Why not just agree with me? I agree with you? Oh, no, no, but I'm not... And by that I mean just, you know, common sense and... Common sense and, and decency objectivity yes yes I understand I'm a fount of object, objectivity you're, you're, you're a fountain head if I'm you a will a fountain head of objectivity <laughs> okay so four and a half for me for Fight Club yeah, out of five say, I'd say four nice nice and uh, everyone knows that they can reach us at uh, futilepodcast at gmail.com and they can uh, google futile podcast and all kinds of nifty futile podcast based things come up because we've been around for <laughs> This is our fourth year. We're working on our fourth year now. Uh, bringing you the classics like Fight Club. That's how they ended the hills. Is it? Did I tell you about the end of the hills? <laughs> no. I, the last I'm... episode of the hills is this. So I was, I ended up inadvertently washing the hills when I, I would come from work. Kristen would be washing because it was on. Mm-hmm. And I would sit there on my computer and be on in the background. And, uh, and you'd be like, I don't want to wait. Oh, wait, that's not the hills. No. The last episode of the hills, uh, Kristen Cavallari, who's... Not your wife. That's a different Kristen. Yeah, that's Kristen Cavallari. Okay. She, she was the one who was the jerk in Laguna Beach, the real OC. Oh, so they brought it back to... So she comes back to the hills. This is epic. Yeah, so Lauren left the hills, so LC. She was the main character in both of them. Wow, the main... So just like a regular TV show, the main character left. uh, Kristen comes in to kind of be the new person, but Kristen's a bitch and everyone hates her. Okay. Um, But she ends up making her... Did she get a whole season then? I think she had two. Wow. She just didn't But but, so the last last, uh, episode, um, she's like, you know, I gotta... I gotta... You know, this is all this is all reality, reality. Yeah, reality. Show. She uh, she says, "I gotta make a change." You know, things aren't working out the way they want because her and this guy Brody, mm-hmm. uh, Brody Jenner, Bruce Jenner's son, uh, step. Wait, wait, wait. Should we, should we say spoiler alert on the ending of the Hills? The series sure. finale sure. was it? Series finale. Step stepbrother of the Kardashians, okay. that Brody Jenner. Yeah. Uh, so he's he was a love interest to Lauren back in the day. He's okay. Been, you know he's been a character uh, for a long time. He was best friends with Spencer, who married Heidi. Okay. Heidi and Spencer are nut job wackos okay. by now. They ended up not being in the last couple episodes. I don't think. Were they like in Alaska, like hunting something? No, or? but Spencer turned insane, and they started. Um, uh, believing the power of crystals and they kept crystals around their necks and he grew, grew a huge beard and she got disgusting plastic surgery done to the point where she looks like a gross fake plastic Barbie doll with gigantic fake tits and 
like a new jaw. And like, a new jaw? Yeah, she went she went haywire with it. Anyway. <laughs> jaw, nice. Yeah. Anyway. She looks like a Tyrannosaurus Rex or something? It's different. Different? It's different. Okay. Um, and so anyway, it's the last episode. Uh, so finally she's like... This is the this is the Kristen Cavalier. She's like I, I'm I'm out of here, you know. Like I, I gotta go. Uh, I can't do this anymore. And and so Brody stops by her house before she leaves, and he's like, "Listen, I, I feel you know I feel bad that like you know you're doing this because of me. I don't want you to make some life altering thing. Like maybe we could give us another shot." She's like, "I don't think that there's any more time for that. Like I've just I've already spun my wheels enough, and like I'm not doing anything here." She's know? off to Paris to the fashion shows going, or something. She's going to Europe. She's in a tour around Europe and see what happens there. <laughs> so so they so they give each other a peck on the cheek. The she gets in the car. Anything. She gets in the car. Looks in the eye and uh, and looks at her, and the car drives off, and it cuts to a shot of him watching her go, and the Hollywood sign is behind him, mm-hmm. which doesn't make sense where they are geog- geographically. The camera pulls back, and he's on a set. Yeah. He's on a set, and the, uh, they say cut, and the people pour all around him, and they keep pulling back, and it's a massive set, and they move the Hollywood sign, and the car she's in pulls back out, and she gets out, and you hear snippets of the conversation they're ha- they, they they're saying. Like, is you know, he telling her how how Cavan's dish or what's the dish? From? I don't know what you're talking about. No, no, in in hot hot shots, when he explains to him as they oh, walk like off, a shaping dish. A shaping dish. <laughs> no, it's like it's like uh, like you know, it was nice working with you and stuff. Like, are you really going to Europe now? She's like, yeah, I am. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. You know, like, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll you know, continue. Yeah. And they give each other a hug and stuff. But it, but it was like, you know, finally they acknowledged what everyone else knew, which was it's totally scripted and totally fake. And like, I mean. Not totally. These are people's real lives, but they're telling them what to do. Hey, hey listen, you guys are meeting for dinner tonight, right? Uh, I don't know. Are we? Yeah, we are. We ordered you. you know, we got you tables or whatever. So listen, maybe your conversation can turn toward this. And when the person answers you, maybe you can stare at them for a long time so we can get a reaction shot. Thanks. You know, like it's got to be stuff like that. I'll say that again one more time. The audio dropped out. Sorry. Right. right got to yeah. replace batteries in here. <laughs> stuff like that. Lock, so, lock mic. Uh, so you know, I I thought it was it was kind of an inspired ending. It's such an awful. Uh, dump of pop culture.